And welcome to another edition of The War Room here on KOKC Radio here in Parsons, Kansas. I am your host, Sean Fry, the Managing Sports Editor of the Parsons Sun and Chanute Tribune. My guest today is a former Minecraft streamer, and he's also the sports editor of the Chanute Tribune, uh, Hunter Schwegman. I said that right, or I don't think I've ever said your last name to you out loud. Yeah, that was right, and what a way to introduce me, I guess. <laughs> I, I, try to, I try to give everybody at least some sort of unique introduction. You're also the guy who makes me tired everywhere I go, because uh, nothing beat... I'll, I'm going to tell you guys the story right now, so... Hunter and I shared a hotel at the uh, state track meet uh, in Wichita a couple, about a week or two ago, and I fell asleep. I got I got back to the room first. He had a couple of events in the evening to cover, and I got done a little earlier, so I went to dinner and then came home to the hotel room. And for those who don't know, state track is all freaking day. Exhausting. It is, it is exhausting. So I got home, took a shower, turned on the TV, watched like 10 minutes of a Celtics heat game, and then I fell asleep. So Hunter must have came in up after I fell asleep, which is probably around, I don't know what time you got in. I probably fell asleep around 8.30. Yeah, I was going to say, it was probably nine, just after 9 o'clock when I got back, so pretty early still. <laughs> there you go. So I don't know what you did for a, a few hours with me passed out there. I promise you, you probably could have done construction on the room, and I would have been knocked out for a little <laughs> Jack bit. Jackhammer. Exactly. But midnight, 1 o'clock rolls around. Hunter's falling asleep at this point. And he fell asleep with a podcast playing on his phone out loud, like not with headphones or anything on out there. And so I wake up, not necessarily to the podcast, but I just kind of wake up and then I just hear like what sounds like a TV playing. And I'm like, where is this sound coming from? And so I can't fall back asleep. So then I get up and I start investigating. It takes me like five minutes to figure out it's coming from your damn phone. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just, I sh luckily, I was really lucky I could shut it off like from the home screen. Because if you had to like unlock the screen to yeah. unlock any controls, you were getting woken up. So, uh, <laughs> but obviously great to have you on the show. It's been great to have you, uh, you know, at the Chanute Tribune, be the sports editor as well. You, you took the job in January. Your predecessor... Uh, Jared McMasters was on the show once. Uh, he was he was good for the six seven months he was here. Uh, you're kind of around that time frame now. You got here in January, and we're we're just now getting into June. Uh, how has the gig? What you you covered the back end of winter semester and then spring? How's the gig kind of treating you? Yeah, so I really did kind of get thrown into it right in the middle of you, like you said, in the back half of uh, of basketball season and wrestling season and stuff. So. I was a little, uh, little overwhelmed to start for sure, um, with having the what eight schools that we cover between the two papers. So, um, little overwhelmed at first, but since I, I think I've really settled in and being being able to start at the beginning of the spring semester and really kind of plan ahead that way, and instead of just kind of being thrown in, like I said, it I, I've settled in nice. It's been fun. Yeah, we were very thankful to find any candidate, not just you, but anybody to fill that role. So when Jared left, it was during winter break. And so the middle of basketball season, which commands a lot of work and wrestling season and all that as well. Anytime, you you know, if it's midseason, anytime from the fall to the spring, you know, sports tests are going to be busy. And when we lost Jared, we were thinking, we, we got to get this filled quickly. So let's just hire the first body we see walking down the street. And we walked outside and saw you at the, <laughs> at the Chanute Rec Center uh, to give people, I'll let, I'll let you give uh, a brief history of kind of what you, your resume and what your life's been like. I know you went, you went to Cam the University of Kansas, uh, studied journalism a little bit, didn't graduate. No shame in that. I'm going to 
break it to you. I didn't graduate from K-State. I'm a few credit hours short. I think I'm like three classes short yeah. of it. So I don't technically have my degree from Kansas State. I finished everything on my journalism education. So the J school loves me, but the university itself is still holding back. Yeah. But tell, uh, tell the listeners just a little bit kind of about yourself. Yeah. So when I was a sophomore in high school, um, the, the newspaper at Chanute High School, yeah, at School. Um, the newspaper or newspaper advisor was my English teacher at the time. And throughout the whole year, I had kind of struggled a little bit with like the style of writing he was teaching us. Um, it was an honors English class. So it was a little bit more of, you know, higher level writing that we were trying to get to like educational style. Uh, expositional. Expositional. Yeah. Okay. And so he kept, he kept reading my papers. He's like, you have good ideas, but you're, the style that you're writing is a little bit off. Why don't you join the the newspaper class next year and try that out? I think that would be more fitting for you. And so started out just, you know, I think I started out with a couple of uh, sports or football articles um, because I have a pretty, you know, long standing history of playing sports myself. So it was kind of natural to just jump right into football and, uh, and golf and stuff like that. So um, at some point during that first semester, we had a, a student transfer out of the class who was actually a page editor. And he looked at me and one of the other guys, he's like, hey, you took this InDesign class last year. Why don't you try taking on the page editor role? And so we did that. It was student life, um, which kind of set me up really well to be doing uh, features and stuff, especially coming up in the summer. Um, but that was kind of mainly what we did was feature writing. And then at the end of that year, I had kind of developed pretty quickly and gotten to really enjoy it. And so he offered me the position of uh, editor-in-chief for my senior year. Um, and I took that. It was awesome. Um, had a lot of fun doing that. During that time, we put together quite a few pretty solid issues. We had eight issues um, and then a special edition um, after the Parkland shooting um, back in 2018 at uh, Parkland High School in Florida. And so that was kind of a, a two-week you know, push to get to get to a, I think it was 16 page uh, tabloid mm -hmm. that we put together. And one thing I, I want to say about the Comet is it's very well run. I think it's one of, it's one of the best student newspapers in the state. And that's not my opinion. That's what the state says. Right. The, the uh, multiple multiple times state champions. Uh, not while I was there. I think the two years that I was in school, we were runner up to Humble. Um, <laughs> Funny how they fell off when you got there. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, after after doing all that for two years, um, I kind of hadn't really planned on going to college right away. And if I did, I was just going to go to Neosho County and kind of get prereqs. But um, through that experience, I really started to enjoy that investigative and, you know, I'm being mean, almost expositional writing. But um, I decided to kind of take a tour of KU. And while I was up there, um, they showed me the the student newspaper room and where the broadcast room and radio and all that was. And so... I just kind of fell in love with the the J school in general up there and decided to go spend some time up there. And you brought up that I didn't graduate, which I'll be completely frank, wasn't really my main goal. Yeah. Um, I think my main goal was really to just get up there and get experience covering things and mm -hmm. writing stories and doing communication stuff. Really, I mean, we didn't. I mean, when we when we went and hired you, we didn't ask for your degree, and they didn't ask for my degree at the Parsons Sun either. Uh, I think a lot of journalists, as the industry evolves. And really, as kind of the bubble of student debt continues to grow and grow, we're going to see more and more people try and get jobs in, you know, I don't want to say non-blue collar fields, but we're going to see a lot of fields start get applicants that don't necessarily have college degrees. The only thing we look, the only thing a journal, the only thing a newspaper or anything to do with journalism is going to look at is your clips. Yeah. And, and I, I read your recaps that you did at KU for the Daily Kansan and 
They looked fine. They they looked up to par. Uh, and that's and I'm sure that's exactly what the Sun did when I submitted my application. So is what it is. But uh, it, to me, there's no it, it the stigma around not graduating college is grow, is is shrinking yeah. as as evolution continues in which this i think the shrinking of that stigma actually kind of helped me make the decision to i i actually intended to just take a single year off of school mm-hmm. um and kind of see what happened and this opportunity just kind of came up and so i was like you know that was what i was going for was to get that experience and then maybe find a find an entry-level position where i can get get some you know real world like full-time experience so mm-hmm. To connect reader, to connect, not readers, but connect people, listeners, uh, to uh, some of that story. So I'm guessing your English teacher was Dustin Fox. Yeah. And he is the uh, supervisor, teacher, whatever you want to call it, uh, that uh, he's the, that, that runs the Daily Comet there. Obviously, the, the, you got the, the kids there run that paper. I'm sure they have a lot. There's probably a lot of editorial independence when it comes to that. I'm sure he guides a lot of that too, but it, it's Dustin Fox. That's the teacher that's in charge of that paper. He's the girls basketball coach at Chinook high school. He's been on this show before. I have a great relationship with Dustin Fox. At least I think so. And, <laughs> uh, you know, and he, I, to me, he's one of the better coaches in the area too. He is, uh, when he had some of those really good teams, you know, with, uh, Tyra Bogle, uh, Paige Kidwell, Shayla Shayla Bogle, uh, Paige Kidwell. There was another girl on that team that I'm forgetting that went to Missouri Southern. Uh, I should know because I went to school with her. Yeah, (laughs) but I just cannot remember her name right now. Uh, Bagshaw, Anna Bagshaw. Anna Bagshaw, yeah. Whose mom also teaches at the high school. There we go. Anna Bagshaw was a great point guard. And her and so her and those Chanute teams would always just go to straight out war. With Labette County and those in those teams, head coached by Christy Snyder, uh, Tristan Gag and Erica Gartner were two really good guards. Played together for two years at Labette County uh, while Anna Bagshaw was there, and Gartner was the point guard when um, uh, during her final two years while Gag was there, and Gag was primarily the two. Uh, and Anna and Erica just—I mean, it was just all—I mean, it was it was battles in those games, and they were always close. One year they played each other three times, and it was the two league games and a sub-state championship. And I think that happened in back-to-back years. Uh, fun to watch. The, to me, Fox and Snyder, who's now retired, uh, were the two best coaches in the league for a long time. Uh, so it, it's just a little connection there. Uh, when you got back, when you when you left KU, you you went back to, uh, to Chanute, right? And you took a job at the Rec Center. Why don't you kind of take the story from there? Yeah. So um, actually, when I decided to take a year off from school, um, I was going to focus more on like doing photography work and um, you know doing independent kind of stuff like that. But I was working at Boys and Girls Club in Lawrence. And while I don't have anything against children, I don't want to work with them. I, <laughs> little kids suck. Element, man. Elementary like. school kids, yeah. That's and that's what it was. So um, I was a little overwhelmed, let's say, by yeah. that. And it takes a certain type of person with a certain type of passion to embrace all the challenges that come with working with kids that young that definitely aren't your own that come in masses. When I was a manager uh, with the Kansas State men's basketball team, I don't care what anybody says. My least favorite thing we did every single year. All four years in the summer was the little kids camp we would do in the summer that would last all week, and it was two to three hundred kids from all around the state of Kansas and all around the area that would come uh, and be dropped off at seven in the morning and be picked up at five o'clock in the evening, and it was just me and 
anywhere from eight to ten other managers in charge of these 300 kids all day yeah <laughs> it was it was impossible yeah and on top of that like i i don't even have room to like talk about it like and complain because we only had the kids from three to five thirty. so <laughs> i mean i was i was there all day at the school and i saw the kids all day but you mm-hmm. know for the most part they weren't my responsibility until they were out of school mm-hmm. so i i kind of wanted to get away from that and um i obviously i'm from chanute and um when i was in high school i worked for the rec center and they had a position open up to be kind of a program director to mm-hmm. facilitate all their all the non-athletic programs, which there was there was a mention that I would uh, you know have an opportunity to move to the athletics at, at a certain point. He's actually now leaving, so it would have <laughs> been it would have been about now that I would have probably moved to athletics. But great, I can't wait for your two weeks to come in on yeah. Monday. <laughs> no, but I, I was there for a couple months, and then um, because of I, I have I had previously interned for the Tribune. Um, mm-hmm. Andrew Town summer. was the sports editor, I believe. Yes, when. and so he was, he was a, a, I think he had some vacation or something come up during the summer, and he needed somebody to cover some games, and so he reached out to uh, Fox and, and the Comet to see if anybody would do it, so mm-hmm. did that for a summer, and then the, the following winter, I got to cover the Schnute wrestling team out at Salina yeah. um, for the state wrestling tournament, and so I think that's kind of where... Um, you guys had originally kind of caught wind of me yeah. and, and through Shannon was the first one to throw your name out there. Uh, Shannon Gio, the, is that, I've never said her yeah, name Gio. out. Gio, uh, the publisher of both the Parsons on Institute. She was the one that first pitched your name out to me. Uh, obviously I, I had never heard of you, which is no insult at all. I haven't heard of a lot of people in the right. world, believe it or not. Right. But, um, uh, when I said the name, uh, I think I was standing in the, uh, in the newsroom and Haley Phillips, uh, one of the assistant editors at the Parsons Sun, who's new to the staff. She's been here, uh, I think she's right up on a year now. Yeah, um, she, that sounds about right. Yeah, she was with, uh, or she was in Manhattan before at that, the Manhattan yeah. Mercury. Uh, she's coming. I, she might have hit a year very recently. I know she took over uh, for Jamie Wiley, who uh, is now a teacher at St. Paul. Uh, does a, you know, she does. A, Haley does a great job. Anyway, Haley went to KU with you, worked on the Kansan with you, so she knew you right off the rip, and and she had. Nothing but going things to say. Got me right to some of your clips from the Kansan, and that's how we read. And so I tell Haley, I'm like, okay, I like this guy. We need someone here quickly. It's not that we were going to – we didn't want to do any injustices to the hiring process. We wanted to get the right guy in there, but we were very motivated to find the right guy quickly. And so I said, okay, I want this guy. He seems like he's a good writer. He's a young guy who I think can bring some new perspectives. So – uh, if you know him, reach out to him. And I don't know how she did either through Snapchat or through text or whatever. And she reached out to you. And then she comes back to me 20 minutes later and goes, he said he kind of likes the job he's in now. And I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, it was, it was kind of like, uh, more so that like, I really do respect my former boss at the rec because, um, mm-hmm. not that she took a chance on me or whatever, but like, I didn't have a whole lot of experience doing exactly what she was asking me to do. I, w- I would have been in charge of the after school program, which is exactly what I was doing at boys and girls club. But once I kind of got in there, I-, I got into that workflow. I got- was like just getting into like my, you know, day to day day to day rhythm right when, uh, when Haley and Shanna both reached out to me. So yeah, it, it, it's not that I didn't want to take the job at the Tribune. It was more so like, Oh man, I just got, you know, into a good spot here. And now, 
Mm-hmm. I guess I'm going to shake it up again. So, <laughs> Well, hey, Hunter, we're going to go to a quick break here on the War Room. Uh, but when we come back, uh, we'll, we'll tell a little bit more about your story, get your thoughts on local athletics. Uh, and then we'll keep going uh, beyond the on-air portion. We'll go into some online exclusive territory. Uh, but uh, stick around for me. Uh, we'll be right back here on the War Room with Hunter Schweigman, the Chanute Tribune sports editor. Don't go anywhere. And we're back here on the War Room here on KOKC Radio. I'm your host, Sean Fry, managing sports editor of the Parsons Sun and Chanute Tribune. Uh, Hunter Schweigman, the sports editor of the Chanute Tribune, is my guest this week. Hunter, we were just talking about uh, kind of the process of getting you hired at the Chanute Tribune. Uh, Haley Phillips, uh, uh, one of the assistant editors at the Parsons Sun and the publisher of both papers, Shana Gio, uh, reached out to you. I remember we brought you in for, for an interview in person. I had already heard that you were a little wishy-washy on the job. And I'll admit, we offered you the job in the interview, which I'll, I'll say going into that interview, my, with the conversations I had had with Shannon, I was like, it's my intention to, hit, to offer him the job unless he comes in here and gives me a reason not to, which you didn't do. But I could not, for the life of me, gauge whether you were going to take it or not. And I maybe I just wasn't maybe part of that was I wasn't confident because we had just lost somebody that I thought would be here long term. We had just lost Jared. So maybe I was just a little panicked to get someone in there. So I wasn't letting myself fit. Maybe that was affecting my kind of uh, ability to take a pulse on it. But what, what were you thinking when you left the interview that we had the job interview that we had at the Chanute Tribune? Yeah. So um, the, the one the one thing, like I said, that was kind of like holding me back, like. I went to school for this. This was my passion coming out of high school. Like I said, I probably wouldn't have gone to college had it not been for my experience with the Comet and covering sports and mm-hmm. all that. So it was it was almost like I was looking for a reason not to, if that makes sense. Like it, it almost felt too good to be true that like hmm. when I was in high school, I looked to Andrew Town and looked to uh, the guys before him and after him that I'm like, Yo, like that would have been awesome to be that guy, to be, you know, to be in that don't, spot. Don't look to Robert back a bit. <laughs> <laughs> don't look to so, him. so before him and then, uh, yeah. So it kind of, it was almost like it felt, like I said, too good to be true. Um, and maybe that's why I had some reservation. But looking back on it, I can't believe I what was the, thought so, twice. Now, the one thing you said that made sense to me, and we were like, you, I mean, you better, was you said, I got to go talk to my wife about it. Right. So you got your wife, Bailey. Uh, what was that conversation like? I'm curious. Um, so the, from the, from the last job to this job, I, I was taking a pay cut and that was kind of the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, but about how much do you remember? Uh, I think we were aware of that. Go, it, coming like in. it was almost negligible. Okay. Um, the, the main, the main thing kind of was that I got, I had paid insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of the bigger thing yeah. was that it was like, I mean, no, nothing super crazy, but it was yeah. just enough that I wanted to at least bring it up to her. But um, at the same time, she was also looking for a, a new job, kind of. Mm-hmm. And so um, she went to something else and she was getting a pretty big pay raise. So it kind of just worked out um, that like we basically went to jobs that we enjoyed more and didn't yeah. have to worry about a change of money or whatever. Yeah. Of it. yeah, that's great. Um, so I remember when I got the text from Shanna that you had accepted the job. Uh, and I was covering a basketball game and I had just walked into the gym and I got a text on my watch. And so I scroll open and look at it and it's a text. I, said, I forget exactly what she said, but she's like, Hunter took the job. He starts January 3rd. And I sat there and I, I fist pumped and I went, <laughs> hell yeah, let's go. And one of the 
somebody, I think it was the Parsons AD who was there, Rob Vargas. He goes, what are you so happy about? <laughs> I'm like, well, we just hired a guy at the Chanute Tribune, so we're happy. Uh, you know, so you've been in the job for us now, but I want to take, I want to take you back to, uh, really those first few weeks and first month or so that you were there thrown right into the fire of, uh, covering, uh, high school basketball and high school wrestling and all in college basketball and college wrestling. Uh, what was maybe the most overwhelming part of the job early on? Um, which it was something that I really did respect was that, uh, I wasn't like babied at all. I wasn't like, Nobody was holding my hand day to day processes. It was like, you know, you've been in a newsroom, you know how this works, like get yeah. to work kind of thing, which, like I said, I enjoy, but it was also like, oh, I, <laughs> you're I actually got, trusted with the like, car I gotta, now. <laughs> I gotta, I got yeah, I gotta drive the car. I gotta drive dad's brand new Ford F 150 that he just uh, rolled off the lot. Like it's, uh, yeah, that was, like I said, I felt very overwhelmed at first, but, mm-hmm. um, especially th- this is one of the things that I, I think that has been really beneficial for me specifically is that, I did go to Chanute High School, and I did go to Chanute High School just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So basically, there you know, yeah, and then so they know me, and that kind of helped made things a little more comfortable um, when it came to like post game interviews and walking down to the scorers table and setting down and being like, I'm I'm supposed to sit here yeah. when I don't look any older than the guys playing on the court. So. <laughs> That was the funniest thing at State Track. Was, oh my god! Was we were both wearing our press passes, both had our wristband on, and we were walking out of the press room together to go on to the track. You're the only one who someone asked to see all the credentials and everything. Like they just let me go through. We were both holding cameras too. Well, on top like, of that, it happened at regional <laughs> track in Chanute. I mean, they almost was, wouldn't that let one me. Annoyed in. me. That one annoyed me. Like they didn't. They didn't even, like, I just went up and I said, I'm with the paper. And they just said, all right. Like, they almost didn't care that I said that. Like, and yet the Chanute Tribune sports editor got stopped and turned away at the gate at a a Chanute High School regional track meet. And, like, you called me and you're like, I have to go back to the office to get my pass. And I'm like, no. And you saw, you could probably tell I was a bit annoyed. Yeah, because you you were literally, you cut me off and you're like, don't do that. Do not, don't leave. Just meet me at the front. Like, come back here. We're going to get you in. I was ready to tear some lady's head off. Somebody, yeah. somebody was going to get. Uh, and like, that's not, off. that's not the first time that I've ran into that. Even, um, you know, this year is. <laughs> so when, when I went to sub-state basketball, I, uh, I had a. Had a lady stop me and she's like, oh, you need your press pass because it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Keisha event. I was like, okay, that's fine. I'll go grab it. Where was it? Uh, was it when you went to go cover St. Paul? I think Olpe? it was in, uh, up in Olpe. That makes sense because they don't, you no, know. No, they have no idea who I am. Yeah, I usually bring my pass when I go somewhere that I haven't been. Yeah, I just hadn't. It, it was attached to my bag down. and I didn't want to take my bag in because I knew it was going to be pretty full with yeah. four teams there. So mm-hmm. um, that one was fine. But then it was kind of mm-hmm. funny. Uh, a couple days later, I was at, uh, I was in Payola for, a, was it a wrestling duel or basketball game? Basketball game. Yeah. And um, for the Chanute basketball game. And That's I walk right. in and I'm like, it's like, hey, I'm with the Chanute Tribune, you know, mm-hmm. showed him my pass. And he just kind of waved me by because there was other people there getting tickets. Yeah. And as I went to leave uh, for the night, he, the guy was picking up the table and I was like, hey, man, you know, thanks for, you know, not questioning me when I was coming in with my pass and all that. I've kind of gotten that a couple times lately. I think it's because I look young. And he goes, oh, no, don't worry about it. I, I know who you are. And I was like, what? There we go. And I and I thought he might have known from my work or whatever. And he's like, "Yeah, I I've seen you wrestle here before." I was like, "Okay, that doesn't <laughs> make people really do remember everything." Yeah, and so. I was like, "I get, I guess, because I we de- we did go up there and wrestle twice. Um, we always dueled Paola. It was you know mm-hmm. back and forth, but 
It's like, okay, I don't know why that just like <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. Man, what a memory. Yeah. Good for him. And it had there's, to have been my junior year because it wasn't my senior year. It was my junior year. So six years ago. From, there's all league athletes from three years ago that I can't remember. <laughs> and, yeah, and I, I guess in in his defense, or I guess in my be- benefit, I was all league that year. Yeah. So you might have known me from that. We, we've got a, we've got about two minutes left uh, here before uh, we got to cut off the on-air portion. I will ask. In the six months that you've had this job, uh, what ju- what's just the most interesting anecdote or story that's happened to you? Whether it was covering a game or something in the office or something like that, what's what's the what do, what do you bring into the barbecue to tell uh, to tell friends about? Um, I don't think I've even mentioned this to you, but when I went up to Olpe to cover St. Paul for Substate, um, mm-hmm. I was sitting down there on the court, and this lady walked up to me and she goes, "Hunter, how's it going?" And I'm like. Hi. Didn't know who she was. Did no you? idea. And she was like, yeah, we're here watching so-and-so play. And I'm like, that name rings a bell. And she was like, yeah, me and Travis are up here. I'm like, oh my God, my uncle Travis, you're my aunt. Like I didn't, I haven't, we have, they, they live up in Ottawa. So we don't, we don't see them a whole lot. And you they just, who your aunt was? To be, like I said, we don't see them a whole lot. We don't see my dad's side of the family a whole lot, but. Yeah, I was completely thrown off. off who did? She, who was her? Who I guess her daughter? Who was your niece then? Cousin? Cousin? Who was your cousin that was playing in that game? Uh, I think she played for Olpe. Okay, because I think they live like outside of Ottawa city limits, and so they go to Olpe. <laughs> You're yeah. my aunt. Yeah, yeah, and that I told her that to too. Me I was like, all I'm the so time. Sorry. It's never been a family member. Yeah, <laughs> that happens. I mean. My favorite thing that'll happen to me, and it's not something I'm proud of, and, you know, Ray Nolting, my boss, isn't going to like to hear it, but it'll happen a couple times a year where someone will come up to me, whether at a game or anywhere in public, and be like, I'll just give an example, what, what do you think about the new or- city ordinance with pit bulls? And, and I'll give him a blank stare, like, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. And he goes, it's on the front page of your paper today. And I'm uh, like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I should probably read the paper. Yeah, I've had, <laughs> I've had an interaction or two like that, mainly with my wife. She's like, so th- that about the, the city council? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> you probably let me, know what. Let me shake the paper and find, find out what she's talking about. <laughs> Writers write so readers can read. Exactly. Uh, that'll do it for the on-air portion of this edition of The War Room here on KLKC Radio. Hunter, thank you for coming on. Yep, if you thanks hear for having the- me. If you want to hear the rest of my conversation uh, with Hunter Schwegman, the Chanute Tribune Sports Editor, uh, head online at klkc.org, or you can get it on Apple Podcasts, Podbean. I think we're on Spotify. I'm not really sure. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, you can get the War Room on KLKC Radio. That'll do it. Everybody stay safe and God bless. And we're back here for the online exclusive portion of the War Room where no fucking FCC regulations exist. War Room after dark. That's right. Uh, and so because Hunter wants to take over the show, he is going to ham fist me into asking him about a story, uh, that about him meeting Haley Phillips, the, uh, assistant editor over at the Parsons Sun. Uh, in all seriousness, he, we were just talking off air and he said, oh, I want to bring this story up. So, uh, we'll get it right out of the way. Uh, tell us about, I'll say this about Haley too. She is wonderful. She is a fun person to be around. She works hard, does great at her job. Uh, very easy going, very easy to work with, uh, is funny as well. She got me really good on a tweet on my birthday. <laughs> on my birthday. Hey, of uh, all things. just to cut in real quick, that picture is now your profile picture on my phone. Like it, your contact photo, yes. So to give uh, listeners a, a background of that, I, it was around January or February, and I was just really sick. I didn't have COVID, but I was just really feeling you had like... Yeah, make sure we let people know. You did test. It was okay. I did test every day, and I tested <laughs> negative, and I kind of sat there and thought, why am I testing negative? Like, 
can I just test positive so the government tells yes. me I have to stay home? <laughs> but I didn't, so I, I trudged my way to work. And at one point, I literally just fell asleep in the office, like on these side chairs, you know, and I'm just passed out. And Haley gets a picture of it and pockets that picture for two months. She didn't even send it to me. Didn't like, send yeah. it to a soul and keeps it locked and loaded in her holster for two months. Then on my birthday at the end of March, tweets out that photo and says, happy birthday. I hope your next year is filled with lots of naps. Yeah. <laughs> like, what a, gosh, she is, <laughs> she is conniving. <laughs> yeah. So like you, like you mentioned in the last segment, um, Haley and I work together at the Kansan mm-hmm. and you know, we're not necessarily super far away from home in Lawrence. Um, She's from Humboldt, which, yeah. So we, I mean, we grew up 10 minutes away from each other, didn't know each other, but I guess it just came up one day. We're like, Oh, where are you from? And and if you're from Southeast Kansas, you like, and you're talking to a majority of people from Kansas city and St. Louis and Chicago, they're not going to know where the hell Chanute or Humboldt no. is. And so I was like, you know, just a small town in Southeast Kansas. And she's like, no way. Like, so am I. I'm like, where are you from? She's like, humble. I was like, I'm from Chanute. And she's like, no way. And it just got to the point. Is humble in Neosho County, by the way? I actually no. Don't know that. So Neosho County is like on the north end, or Chanute is on the very north end okay. of Neosho County. I knew Erie was the county seat. I just wasn't sure if, Which how far north it was. It has always bothered me. It shouldn't, but it's always Oswego's bothered me. Oswego is the county seat of Labette, and I feel like it should be Parsons and Chanute at this point. Yeah. But, that's what it was historically, and we got to do things the way they were done a hundred years ago. Yeah. So, and we kept we kept talking about you know where we were from and stuff, and she was like, um, "Oh, you wouldn't happen to know like my boyfriend's family?" And I was like, "Well, what's his what's his name?" And she's like, oh, "His last name's Phillips." I was like, "Wouldn't so happen that his mom is a teacher?" And she was like, "She is." I was like, "That was my second grade teacher." Huh. Yeah, so like, there's just so many. She of those. recently passed away. Rest her soul. Yeah, uh, and what she was her was, name? I can't uh, Helen. So Helen. Helen Maximowicz Helen. was her uh, maiden name, but yeah. yeah, she was. I was her first class, fresh out or not fresh out of college, maybe, but maybe fresh out of getting her teaching degree because she was, she wasn't in her twenties or anything. But yeah. Um. So yeah, th- that was that was one thing that uh, was a little bit crazy about meeting her was that she, we had some ties to to each mm-hmm. other, and we just both happened to end up in the same place at the yeah. same time. And uh, <laughs> what's funny is she now is when when you two came on before you two came on, I was the youngest in the newsroom by far. I was always, you know, I was always uh, I, I was always the young guy, the young person trying to fight for new ideas. Now we're starting to take over. If anything, I'm starting to be part of the old crew. Yeah, like, so I'm in the middle ground now between Ray Nolting and that Resnick. Then there's me. Then there's you and Haley. And it's like, well, where do I fit in now? Because I find myself making the same arguments or having the same concerns or or, or or whatever about stuff that Ray had with me when I first got there. Yeah. And I'm like, huh? This, yeah, and that's already sense. that's already come up a couple times. Well, when we talk to each other, but. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of taking over, one of the things that happened last, or was it two weeks ago now, um, in Chanute uh, over the weekend, um, we had a house that exploded um, on the south end of town. I think I remember hearing about yeah, that. Yeah, and so nobody from the paper was in town, and uh, mm-hmm. our our editor, or our uh, publisher, Shanna, she, she texted me, and she's like, hey, are you in town? And I actually wasn't. I was outside the city limits, but I was, you know, five minutes out at uh, my sister-in-law's house. And so we go there and I get photos of all that and put a, and we get, put that picture on the front page. And mm-hmm. then the next day, 
um, for Tuesday or for Wednesday's edition, I had another photo that went on the front page from mm-hmm. Sports, and uh, our our main or our main editor uh, Stu Butcher made a comment. And he's like, you know, you're gonna have to keep an eye on what photos you're taking so we can keep putting them on the front page. <laughs> and I told him, I was like, hey man, I'm taking over. We're getting in here, we're getting stuff done, and we're gonna take over the whole paper, all, all us young guys. <laughs> and of course, I guarantee you, Stu and Matt feel genuinely threatened by that. <laughs> too, by the way, you weren't kidding in their eyes. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's the way that newspaper, everybody wants to say, oh, newspapers are dying and stuff like that. It, it's true. It, we can't deny the fact that the newspaper industry and the journalism industry as a whole is facing financial hardships. Mm-hmm. And But to me, that is just forcing evolution. And we have to evolve with it. Uh, you know, there's obviously, we have a much bigger presence online and on social media it, that I feel like we need to grow even more. And I'm going to rely on you uh, for a lot of ideas when it comes to that. But, I mean, it's I, – I feel like we do a decent job. I feel – and I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm rambling here. Well, uh, you to kind of speak to that, like I know mm-hmm. that uh, some some entities in the you know space of especially sports journal- journalism, I think they're starting to realize that this, co- this coverage in these especially smaller towns and for 1A, 2A, 3A schools that – it really is very important for these kids to get that journalism, newspaper, Twitter, exposure, Instagram yeah. exposure. And it's like Keisha covered, I know is pretty heavily backed by, um, capital the, federal credit yeah, union. The credit union. Like I, I know that I, I just overheard a conversation from one of the guys at state track where they said they kind of give them just free reign to just cover stories as they need to, just cause they see how important it is for these smaller communities, especially. And I think, yeah. I think that kind of tone of, the financial hardships is starting to turn a little bit back. I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that still need to be done, but I think it's, I think we can get it done. I think Keisha, we can turn things around. Keisha cover. I, I can go on and on about Keisha covered. I actually, I don't have any problem with the people that work there specifically. I think the people, the guys that work there, I know, uh, uh, Brent, uh, Brent, uh, Mayock is there. Uh, and he, I met him at State Wrestling. He was a really nice guy. Yeah, Mac Moore is there. He's a good dude, too. Uh, they have a good staff there that works hard and works in the spirit of what they're trying to do. And so any criticism I have of Keisha Covered is, is it, like, I specific. I don't want to say it's not limited to them. I want to specifically carve them out of it. Right. I want them. To, I want people to understand that is not that, that they, they are not part of what I'm mentioning. But I, for some reason, I just don't like the fact that Keisha has its own website. I mean, they... There was a game. It was before you got here. They had a full recap of a football game with quotes from the Humboldt coach and everything like that, and photos and everything. Now we we couldn't make it to that game because I think Jared was at the Chanute game that day or something like that. But we were trying to get the Humboldt result in for Saturday's edition, and we couldn't get it in. And then the coach is like, "Well, I talked to the media there. I thought that was who you were and everything." And so part of it is like that's a tax. Whether they're backed by the credit union or not, that's ultimately a taxpayer funded agency running a coverage website i don't like having to compete against my own tax dollars yeah it, it's a weird deal for me well it, it's one thing of it's sports in kansas sports in we'll welcome all competitors that we want competition breeds success yeah. I, I, I hope i get more competitors but i don't like it when they come from i don't like having to pay for them yeah <laughs> yeah and especially when you look at uh, like a Keisha covered specifically where they do kind of just have that more official backing where yeah. if you see someone with the Keisha logo on their shirt, you're going to yeah. like... They're speaking for Keisha. Yeah. And that carries weight with readers and and, the, and viewers and whatever. 
Yeah. Whether they realize it or not. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's coming, quote unquote, from the source. Like, you know, it's 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 the same as if, you know, Adam Schefter was reporting yeah. something versus the NFL was releasing. Yeah. And, and uh, but Keisha Kevard's never going to critically look at Keisha and, you know, their work and, you know, put it under any sort of scrutiny deserved or otherwise. Uh, what, so I mentioned at the top, the very, very top of the show, I said you're a former Minecraft streamer. Uh, I, you know, and I, I made a, that was a joke because you actually did stream Minecraft videos when you were a kid, right? Yeah, so uh, that's kind of how I got into, like, the media world was mm-hmm. through YouTube and yeah. Twitch. I, one th- I'll, I'll tell you, there was a story I was working on a few years ago. Uh, a, a girl from Lebec County got a scholarship to Fort Scott Community College uh, for esports. She was she played Overwatch, and they they wanted her on her over on their Overwatch team. And so I, I, it wasn't just going to be a profile on her. I wanted to do a story that really took stock of the landscape of esports throughout Kansas. You know how what if any high schools, clubs, or any. I know it, it's not a sanction. It's not sanctioned by Keisha, so it's all it would be all club based. How is it endorsed at local high schools, local middle schools? Uh, what colleges offer scholarships in it? How accessible are they? All that stuff. So, and then the pandemic hit. Like I was, I was just kind of getting into the research of that, and then the pandemic hit, and uh, obviously I, I lost track of it. You might know more than I would, though. I'm curious what, uh, in terms of esports and all that, what, what when you look at it specifically in Kansas, how that might play. Yeah, so I I actually did used to follow a lot of like so two two main games that I specifically like followed and and kind of actually competed a little bit in were uh, Counter Strike Global Offensive. It's a game that was released in 2012, mm-hmm. and it's that you know updated over time. Counter Strike Go, yeah, yeah, and then uh, Valorant, which is a very similar game, but it was kind of like more of a magic-y version of they that. They say Valorant's kind of a cross between Overwatch and CSGO, from it, what I hear. They get, it's a stupid way to say it, but it's also the exactly perfect way to say it, realistically, because yeah. the, the the you know goal of the game is the same as Counter-Strike, but the style of the game is very similar to Overwatch. So, yeah. Yeah, so those games, I followed a lot of, like, the esports scene and, and played in a little bit and when, I, when I played Counter-Strike, but there's not so much... At least not from my perspective. There's not so much of the local scene. California has for years been known as um, kind of the mecca for esports because mm-hmm. there's more money out there to travel to LAN events and stuff like that. And so since the 90s, they've been hosting you'd events. You'd be surprised how few people in this area even know what a LAN event is. Yeah, a, yeah. And a LAN event, and I'll let you, I'll let you explain that. Yeah, you so LAN events are just kind of like. As opposed to playing, you know, a online at your house, online at your house, you play all 10 people or whatever it is. Your two teams are connected to one machine. So there's like no input delay. There's no Internet mm-hmm. causing issues. You're yeah. playing as close to the game, as close as you possibly can yeah. to the way the game was intended to be. Zero played. ping is essentially what you're playing. Yeah. On. Yeah. And, you know, again, we're probably going to be talking a lot about we'll throw a lot of terms out there that. A lot of people, a lot of people that are maybe a little old. No way, Ray Nolting knows what the hell we're talking no, about. No, no, no. But people need, you know, what's interesting to me about video games. I play a lot of video games. I- I'm not super competitive. Although I like to be competitive. It's an it's an outlet for me to express my competitiveness. While I'm not necessarily the most talented at everything, my claim to game fame is I was about maybe six, seven years ago. I was ranked 50th in the world in UFC two. Oh, <laughs> woo! I was really good with Ronda Rousey. All I would do is, like, that game was 
obviously, obviously it's mixed martial arts, so you know what it is. Mm-hmm. If you knew how to grapple in that game, you were way better than everybody because a lot of people just wanted it to be the kickbox, a kickboxing game. Yeah. But if you knew how to grapple and take and take people down and wrestle in that game, you were they they called that was the cheese in that game, so yeah. to speak, which I just dominated people with. I I don't think I got more. I don't think there's ever been a game I get more rage got more rage messages than that one. But uh, the the way people play video games these first off, I'm a 30 year old that plays video games. 20 years ago, if that was true, like you're a loser. You're, yeah, you literally, like you would have if you talked about that at work. Like if you if we were sitting here having this conversation on the radio 20 years ago or on you know podcast or whatever, people would have been like, those guys are. What are they doing? Like, exactly, they're nerds. Games? They're flakes. They're they're losers. Exactly. But now the way video games are played, and I, I'm I'm part of this is. Ki- Do you think ten years ago kids were or players were reading patch notes and able to kind of discern its effect into a game? Um, I think there were. I think there's always been those players. Mm-hmm. Um, just like there's always been people who break code on a website or breaking, yeah. you know, stuff like that. So. I think it's more common, yeah. Yeah, and for sure over the last 10 years it's gotten way more common, especially to the point where you've got these professional teams who are playing at, you know, the 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 NBA quote-unquote level of their their mm-hmm. respective game, but then they also have a team, two teams below them that are basically their minor leagues, their academy teams. Yeah. I mean, that is how intense or how into it it's getting now to where these people are Literally training, not competing. They're literally just, they're competing in events, but not necessarily the the high dollar, high ticket events. I mean, just like you would Mm -hmm. see in minor league baseball, you know, G League, basketball. And people also don't understand to a degree is that, you know, so that girl from Lebec County who got the eSports scholarship for Overwatch at Fort Scott Community College, she could probably, I mean, she would wipe the floor with basically every Overwatch player, probably within 100 miles. Yeah. Like, and people don't understand they think like oh video games are lazy you know it the stigma of it being a lazy activity and while you certainly want to be physically active in your life my fat ass can certainly do for some more exercise but uh it's you know to get that good at it takes real dedication and real practice and it's not something that can just naturally happen and I don't think there's enough respect for that yet, but I'd love to see. I want to see what the first high, when and if ever Keisha introduces an esports state championship and sponsors infrastructure that supports that. Yeah, and like I mentioned earlier, I competed a little bit in Counter Strike, and no, in no matter of the you know subject was it high level at all. It was very mm-hmm. much so amateur, um, you know, lower levels, and so I probably in that game alone put in between outside training game. Cause that's another thing that people use a, a third party software now to train their aim and to train their reflexes. Oh, yeah. I think in that game alone, just playing, I have had probably put in 4,000, 5,000 hours by the time I quit playing. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't even in the top 30% of players. Like I couldn't even, I don't even think I could get one kill against a team of professionals. Like they're yeah. just, the skill gap is I think so if you wide. look at yeah. if you look at the NBA and you look at a guy who is a starting starting guy yeah. on one of the NBA teams and one put a put him one on one against one of the best people you can find off the street, that skill gap no is chance. just as wide no as it is in esports. And that sh- that shit annoys me when people are like, 
could I score against LeBron James? No, 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 no way. Who the fuck no. do you think you are? No you're going way. To, that you are going to go up to this man who has literally put probably His over a hundred thousand hours of work into, and you're gonna you're going to best him at that? any point? No way. No. I have a story that proves that thesis true. By the way, that you can't score on these high level people. And so my roommate in college was Rodney Magruder. Uh, he plays in the NBA now. He was most recently on the Pistons. Uh, played for the Heat too. Played for the Clippers. Uh, but he was my roommate. We both were from wa- the Washington D.C. area. We knew each other growing up, and so uh, we would go into uh, the gym at nights, and he would put up extra shots, and I would help rebound for him and stuff like that. And then we would play one on one, and he would go at like ten percent effort and still beat me comfortably. You know, we would go to eleven, eleven to two, eleven to three, something like that. Yeah. Like you basically would just let me shoot and then get a rebound and then you know, practice some move and get right by me. But he wouldn't play defense, and he would still beat the crap out of me. One time, though, he kind of came up and guarded me a little bit. And when I say a little bit, he cranked his effort up to 15% instead of 10. (laughs) And I got by him on a dribble move to the right from the left wing, and then I kind of hard stopped at the left elbow, and and he overcommitted trying to go for a steal, and I stopped, popped for a jumper, and I hit it. And I looked at him, and I pointed at him, and I said, why did they give you that All-Big 12 defense award? (laughs) When I tell you we probably played like 50 times after that, he wouldn't let me dribble. No. Like, if I if, if if the ball came out of my hands just to put it down, it was gone, and he was going to dunk. He, he went 100% against me for the rest of his life and because he took that one little thing to a little bit of a fence where he said, I'm going to prove you wrong, and I'm not going to give you any room to breathe. And I've never really felt that overwhelmed at any task I've tried to do in my entire life. And he was the same age as me and, you know, had the same amount of time to develop that num- that num- that amount of skill and that's how far ahead he got. And he is a below-average NBA player. He's yeah. a good defender, can hit spot-up shots, not really much beyond that when it comes to the NBA. And there was, and the other story about Ronnie Magruder that I'll tell, too, is one time when he was with the Heat, they played three games in four days, and the three games were against the Pacers, Cavaliers, and, and New York Knicks. And he was the three. He was the small forward. So that means his defensive assignments that day, and he was a starter at the time because the Heat were debilitated by injury. So he was getting some starts. And his defensive assignments were Paul George, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony. No thanks. No thank you. (laughs) And Paul George scored like 22 on him, which, I mean, if you hold Paul George to 22 on a full night of basketball, yeah, yeah. good job. Good job. You're not going to be asked for more. Uh LeBron James, I think, gave him 27, but he didn't have a good day rebounding or anything like that. Uh, so average days from Paul George and LeBron James, which average days for those guys are pretty damn good. Carmelo Anthony gave him 48. <laughs> and Rodney Magruder was known for his defense. At one point, ESPN did a story and said the actual best perimeter defender in the league right now is Rodney Magruder based on analytics. And so I, I talked to him a couple days after that game, and I go... Man, what happened against Melo? And he goes, Sean, I didn't make a single mistake. Yeah. I forced him off. I, I never let him catch it where he wanted. I, I fought over every screen. I always stayed in front of him. He gave me 48 anyway. Like, the sheer... Ma- like, there's a skill gap between... There's a skill gap that's massive within the NBA. Yeah. Much less the average person. The, the, the other question that's like, if you... 
if you st- if you took at bats against a major league pitcher and a hundred times, could you get a base hit? No. Yeah, that's a, that's a no. That's something that you, may, that your story made me think of was um, not only the hitting a baseball from a major league pitcher, hitting a softball from like a college softball pitcher. Oh, no I stood, thanks. I stood in the butt. There was a pitcher at Labette Community College a couple years ago. Uh, her name's Alex Brake. Had a filthy rise ball. Ended up going to Tennessee to play. Uh, she was the two-time national pitcher of the year in the NJCAA. I stood in the box for one pitch because I wanted to see what her rise ball looked like from a batter's perspective. I walked and I said, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, how how does anybody ever hit that? Not many people did. She averaged like 11 strikeouts a game. Yeah, but. there was a there was a video I watched recently that was kind of along the, or about that is that there was this whole debate going on in the early 2000s about whether it was harder to hit a major league baseball pitcher Mm -hmm. or like a like a college softball player and this was about the time that i think it was britney griner or griner whatever she was yeah yeah. she was like there was another debate that was like should could britney griner make it in the nba no no no. No. so she's the WNBA player who is the whoever the softball player i think you're thinking of jenny finch striking out albert pujols yes so and and i think she also threw to like a couple like i think sammy sosa was there or something Mm -hmm. none of them hit it no it's like and they had they had no chance no you don't you don't understand the level of that whether it be speed whether it be movement on a pitch no. whether it be you know guarding a def- a guy who's just going to drop 50 on you anyway you don't know that until it happens and you yeah. go oh that's that's yeah. the level that they're at mm-hmm. Max Wark and I he was the old Chinute boys basketball head coach uh great coach he is the coach that took down Bishop Me Age and yeah. then lost his next game and said I'm out of here <laughs> Peace out. Uh, Max Work, great coach, by the way. I think he truly is one of the best coaches. Really nice come- guy, too. Yeah, really nice. So I was talking with him, and he was. He said, you know, early in his coaching tenure at Chanute, he went to the Neosho County head coach. He was like, I- I'm going to try and get some tips and tricks. I want to get some new offenses and everything like that. I want to get some new playbook stuff and-, and take that to the high school level. And the- he comes out, he said he came out of that conversation with the stuff I already run is more, compla- more complex than that. Well, what that says is, at that level, by the time you just get to the Jayhawk level, by the time you get to the junior college level, it's just players making plays. Yeah, they're just better than you. Yeah, and can you can you be better than the other person? We don't need to be complex. A lot of high school offense is more complex than college offenses because they don't need to be complex. The in skill college. gap, the skill gap isn't there. I mean, you you have yeah. a lot more average competition where mm-hmm. you're playing you're playing a team of literally almost copies of you. Yeah, you, so you need to. You yeah, need that's to how you them. win. Yeah. You have to find a way to outgame them. Whereas college level, one, they're just that good that they don't need complex offenses, and yeah. that's true for every sport too. I mean the the one thing that I maybe think of it was when you said the hitting the pitch or guarding someone. No. There was a professional disc golf tournament I went to in Kansas City, and the number one player in the world at the time st- uh, stepped up to the tee box, and everybody else is throwing these uh, roller shots on the ground to try to get as far as you can. And it was like 500 feet, 525 feet where you couldn't throw it in the air. There was no way to get it there in the air. Yeah. And he steps up and just looks up in the air and then just throws 600 feet over the trees. <laughs> and, and I just look at that. I look at the rest of the card that he's playing with. I'm like, none of you can do that. And you are a thousand times better than anybody watching. Like this, the, those skill gaps are just so crazy when you literally witness them like that. And it, I'll tell you one thing. One thing that it still gets me to this day, go to a Major League Baseball game and watch the outfielders or, or watch warm-ups 
Watch them play catch. Yep. They're they're throwing the ball 200, 300 feet. With no crow hop. No, with no, nothing <laughs> on a dot strike. They're, like, their feet are planted. They're just using their arm. And that ball just jump, just leaps out of their hand. It is, it's, it's fun to watch. And it's also a little, it's, like I said, it's overwhelming because I played in Little League. Like, I, I played baseball and I wasn't a bad player at my age. I was like, yeah. They're just, I don't think, I, there's, and people complain that pro athletes, a lot of old people that I don't, you know, I think they have ulterior reasons for saying this, but they're like, oh, athletes make too much money, blah, blah, blah. One, that's dictated by the market value that we put on it. Why don't musicians make that much? Why don't, why don't theater kids make that much? Go spend money on it then. Yeah. You go spend your hard-earned money on more theater, and that's what will happen. And no discredit to them, but that's what we as a, as a free market capitalist society have determined is that sports are among the more popular things. That, I mean, that's I was, life. <laughs> I was so, an athlete and I was a theater kid. Like I did musicals yeah. and plays and I just inherently realized that <laughs> there's more that maybe not intrinsic value, maybe not, you know, value, I'm not to arguing intrinsic value but there is more financial value, financial. On- and like, I mean, you look at just straight up advertising, like yeah. the, the amount of advertising that sports bring, bring in and stuff. Constant. So. And secondly, those guys, for whatever you maybe 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 different aspects of, of life should be valued more, and we should spend more money on it. Whatever, those professional athletes have dedicated their whole lives to that game, to that profession, and they're among the best at it. The among the best at every profession probably make that much money. Yeah, the, the very best musicians, the the very very best journalists, the very very best. Uh, Esports you know, players. Yes, I mean the very, very best million dollar tournaments the, in that. So. The top point one percent of every profession makes that much money. We just see the athletes more. Where they're just more famous. Yeah, but I, I, I've always, you know, in kind of coming full circle on this. That's why I always get upset to a degree when people talk down on junior college athletics in this area specifically. A lot of parents think that their kids at this area, it's D1 or bust. Hell no. And then when they bust, they go to some NAIA school and pay $20,000 on top of the $5,000 quote-unquote scholarship that they gave you to be on the golf or the football team or whatever. Go walk on to a a Jayhawk conference school. It'll be better competition. It'll be better financial. It'll be easier for you financially. You can get just as good an education. And to me, you'll have more opportunity. I, I People don't understand just the, the skill gap that exists between like high school and junior college. And I think more people need to understand that. You you probably watch a lot of Neosha County wrestling and Labette wrestling and what have you when you're in school. I'm sure you saw the talent level that existed at that at that stage. Yeah, I mean, it just it just happened this week. The Chanute uh, wrestling uh, the Chanute wrestling team hosted the True Blue wrestling camp where they always bring up Oklahoma State wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we got to see, like, when I was uh, in school, we got to have guys like Jake Varner and Chris Perry and some of the, you know, some of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And Kel Sanderson came one year. Um, and when you watch those guys just scrap, like, literally just go out there to, like, mm-hmm. do a warm-up scrap where they're not really trying to score points. They're just trying to get position and stuff like that the way the way that you could not even touch that guy like he is he is so much better than you warming up than mm-hmm. you would ever be in full competition peak season yeah like it's yeah and that's the equivalent of watching those major league baseball players just play catch yep like 
they're doing something right now that I can't dream of doing, and they're not like they're not they're not their brain right now. their brain doesn't even know they're doing that. They're no. talking to the guy next to them about the meal they had last night or yep. the bar they went to. Mm-hmm. Like they're not focused on that three hundred foot throw that they just did for the tenth time in a row so nonchalantly. Oh my gosh! Well, and a lot of people. Here's an interesting how when you when you watch it like a Royals game for example. Um, and the shortstop fields the ball and throws it to first. How fast do you think he, they throw the ball from the like the, an average shortstop throws the ball to first? Are you saying like miles per hour? Yeah, like I mean it, it goes over a hundred, right? Yep. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people realize that. I don't. I I don't I think, think I knew that before you asked that question. But once you said it, I was like, mm, I mean, a hundred percent, hundred over a hundred's a little on the fast end. I mean, nineties for sure. Eighties, nineties, yeah. And obviously, the faster it is, depending upon the play. I mean, if they if they feel it cleanly and the guy's jogging, they're probably not going to whip it at a hundred. But I mean, the the <laughs> one Royals game that I've been to uh, so far this year was when uh, Bobby Witt Jr. kind of had his first like big play. He yeah. came he came in on a on a, a, a dribbler ground ball down the third base line and literally fielded it to throwing it while falling forward in. Point three that. five seconds. I, I mean, that. there's. I don't know. There's maybe five other baseball players mm-hmm. that could have done that. Let alone people in the world. <laughs> there's. Uh, I remember watching a sports science video on ESPN about Lorenzo Cain when he was the center fielder for the Royals during that big run that the Royals made two straight World Series. They looked at one of his foul balls that he or not foul balls fly balls that he fielded. It, it, he had such great range. He was maybe the best defensive outfielder in the in the league yeah. at the time he was playing. He was a good hitter too. But he just had such speed and such great reaction time. So the sports science video, they looked at just one normal fly ball that he kind of had to chase down a little bit. And they uh, they said, well, he reacted to the ball and started moving on the route he was going to take in .1 seconds. Jeez. And I didn't then even know if the, my brain like moves <laughs> that fast. And here's the crazy part about that. They said the distance he was standing from home plate it takes sound 0.3 seconds to get that far. He's getting it right off the bat before he, he even hears he, it. He reacted to it before he heard it. Yeah. That's so crazy to me. And just the amount of training it takes to do that is is unfathomable to me. Yeah. So don't sit here and tell me these professional athletes make too much money. You don't work as hard as at them. Yeah, and to bring it back to esports... Um, P- like those, you said, those professional gamers, they work harder than you. They, I mean, straight up, you, you want to talk about some, how these people are lazy? No, we'll take uh, Fnatic for example. Um, Fnatic is one of the longest-standing uh, esports like companies in in, mm-hmm. in history. I mean, they've been running teams since the early '90s. Um, their Counter Strike team was made up of a group of like late '30s, early '40s guys who were training for 12 to 14 to 16 hours a day on top of doing workouts and like healthy meal planning. I mean, these guys are just as much a professional, maybe not, maybe you don't have to call them an athlete, but they're just as much a professional as Joe in accounting or, you know, you know, any of they're more committed to their job performance than Joe in accounting. And I think so too. I think there's a lot more emotion that goes into it for those guys. Just because it's a fun job doesn't mean it's not a job that they don't work very hard at. Yeah. And you know, that was you know I I heard I stole that quote from a minor league baseball player. He was actually talking about how minor leaguers were making below the minimum wage not too long ago. How minor leaguers were vastly underpaid, and he so he had to like this minor league. I forget where he's from, but I heard it on a podcast. He had to drive an Uber around and you know make money during the season. And 
you know, he picked up an Uber and somebody recognized them. They were like, why, you're a professional baseball player. Why are you driving around an Uber? And that's when it kind of hit him. And he goes, you know, I work a job and I deserve to be paid minimum wage. It's a fun job that I work. It's a job not many people get to have. And it's a job that I earn through my hard work. But it's a job and I deserve to be paid, at least paid minimum wage for it. And the people that are the very best at it deserve to get much more than that. Yeah. And I, I've been I've mentioned to you that like my kind of outlook on being paid for work is like I want to be able to get out the value that I put in or at least, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm if I'm helping with helping put out a product, whether it be a newspaper or a baseball team, you know, yeah. I want to get out of that what I'm putting in. Like the whole argument about players being paid too much. With, but then you look at the owners yeah. who are making so make much more. It's like for sitting there, like they're not that you're, you know, the, the value of the team does not come from the owner. It comes from the players playing and the players yeah. training and all of this. Like mm-hmm. they are getting out of it, what they're putting yeah. into it. Like, and, and, and again, I don't want to sit here and say, Oh, millionaires have so many problems that we need to be so sensitive about and everything. Cause I want to be more sensitive to, Guys like you and I who make thirty to thirty-five thousand dollars a year, and more sensitive to the people that make less than that. But when like the NBA, you know, had that uh, the work stop—not the work stoppage, but when the season halted uh, when COVID hit, and there was a you know labor negotiations going on on how to resume the season. There's a healthy portion of those players that are saying like, "Hey, you know, I get that we're paid a lot, but that also creates more financial responsibilities that I endure because I expect to be." A, a normal paycheck rolling through. If you take away my salary for two years, I'm going to go broke because I can't pay off this this investment or this car or this house or whatever because I bought it under the, under the understanding that the the terms of my contract would be fulfilled. Right. And they may not be making and MLB players during the during the work the strike and the work stoppage and the lockout that happened this past off season. Yeah, is can Mike Trout survive the lockout? Yes. I don't think. The I don't think the work I don't think the twenty sixth man on the roster for the Royals relief pitcher can. Uh yeah, definitely not this year. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, I don't think their, their relief staff is is, uh, is garbage. Yeah. <laughs> but but that's my point. Is yeah. like they're they're making a mil, maybe two a year at the very very most. Probably not that. They're probably making six figures, and which six figures a, a year is a lot. But if you just cut that off and say you're done, like. Your, your lifestyle is going to have to change fairly drastically. And I think that one thing that people forget is that a lot of these players, especially players that come from overseas, um, from Cuba, from Puerto send Rico. Send a lot of money back send home. Send money back home. I mean, they've got aunts, uncles, cousins, mom, dad that are also relying on that money because maybe they've had it hard because of X, yeah. Y, or Z. But this player, they kind of gave him that sacrifice to go play that so that he could in turn do that. It's like, it's not just the player who's, you know, yeah. hurting from that. It's multiple families. Yeah. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Anything else you want to say or talk about before we, uh, we head out uh, for the evening? I know no, thanks for having me. I just, yeah, it's been great so far. Um, we're getting into the groove of things. I'm ready to get started mm-hmm. on a full, a full year of sports in August. Absolutely. So you and I, we should we need to have conversations about what we can do better on the digital side at the Sun and Tribune. I want to cre- I want I don't know what it might look like, but we, we got to come up with something that we can one monetize and two uh, become a regular staple of of what I would call the combined sports desk. Yeah, and if uh, we want to if we want to reach more of our readers and listeners where they are, then mm-hmm. I mean digital's the this is what Absolutely. it is today. Uh, well, hey, that'll do it uh, for this edition of the War Room. Hunter, thank you very much for coming on. Yep. 
Uh, open door. You want to come on the show and, and bitch and moan about something? You come right gonna, on ahead. I'm going to Sparta kick your door down so I can complain <laughs> about how the Royals are doing. That's right. Or I can just call you and be like, where are you? You're supposed to pick me up. Oh. And, you'll, and you'll be waking up right out of bed. Um, <laughs> uh, that'll do it here on the War Room. Hunter, thanks again for coming on. Yeah, Hunter, for having me. Hunter Swegman, the New Tribune sports editor. Go give him a follow on Twitter, Facebook. You just started a Facebook page. I got to do that. Yep. It's a professional page. It's just Hunter Swegman, Chanute Tribune. Yeah, I got to I gotta do that. Uh, but yeah, that'll do it. Uh, I'm your host, Sean Fry, here on KOKC Radio. This has been the War Room. Everybody stay safe and God bless.